A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Oh, Lord help us, Rick Stroud. We have the two most hated cities in America going to the Super Bowl. Boston and Philly, not sure how we're going to get through all the obnoxiousness of the next couple of weeks, but we will try. Hey, everybody, Tom Jones, Rick Stroud, Tampa Bay Times, along with our producer, Steve Verstick. And, Rick, we finally have, have us a Super Bowl matchup, the New England Patriots, the Philadelphia Eagles. Other than the Pats going for history, tell me something. Give me something to make me get excited for this Super Bowl. Well, maybe they'll bring Chris Berman and Tom Jackson back like they did tonight. Uh, uh, eh, talking about the playoffs, the quarterbacks, three men and a Brady, not to be confused with the movie, of course, starring uh, Tom. Eh, um, yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> look, I think I did this Super Bowl before in Jacksonville. Yeah, you <laughs> I did. I believe. Um, so let's bring Donovan McNabb back. That's how that's how damn old Brady is because you wouldn't consider McNabb playing again. That, you know, it's not amazing. I was thinking about that earlier today because somebody tweeted out the last time that they played him that T.O. was playing and Donovan McNabb was playing. I'm like, man, Brady, yeah. And it, it wasn't like it was Brady's first Super Bowl either. He That does good. just go to show you the guy's been around for a thousand years. It's a vampire. Yes. Yes, and it's a it's a look. You can hate them if you want to, and a lot of people do, and I understand <laughs> it. But man, um, this is their eighth with Belichick and Brady, their eighth Super Bowl appearance. That's just unbelievable, isn't it? It is. It's unbelievable. It's only been fifty-two all time. Okay, right. And they are in the AFC Championship game. It seems like every year, and there was some drama, some intrigue. Let's get into that game. We'll start off with that sure. game because that was the first game on Sunday. Starts off with some intrigue, as we found out sometime uh, midweek. He did injure his hand, and it was a lot of people thought, "Ah, this is just uh, you know the the Patriots are trying to uh, you know just co- uh, concoct some sort of controversy." Get the man. There was even suggestion that well, they're trying to get Jacksonville overconfident. Maybe there's something wrong with Brady's hand. No, it turns out there was something wrong with Brady's hand. Apparently, cut it, got some stitches after a handoff in practice. And Rick, when you looked at the start of this game, at least through the first half, Brady's hand. Uh, Jags off to a good start, 14-3 to at halftime. I don't think anybody who ever has seen an NFL game in the past decade thought the Patriots are going to go quietly. But I'll tell you what, at halftime of this game, boy, Jacksonville wasn't looking much different than they did the week before against the Steelers. In fact, even looking a little bit better defensively than they did against the Steelers, I thought the Patriots were in trouble at halftime. Oh, I did too because, you know, it wasn't smoke and mirrors. I mean, they were winning, they were winning at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Um, on both sides of the ball, and they were hitting Brady a few times. Although I thought early on it became pretty apparent that whatever, you know, it turns out uh, he got hit by his running back, Burkhead, uh, during practice. He got cut on his, on his thumb, as you, mad, as you mentioned, just sort of below the thumb, if you will. And it, it, it was, you know, serious enough to have require, uh, according to my sources, Adam Schefter <laughs> says, 12 stitches, 12 stitches in his it's thumb. a lot now, of stitches. It's it's enough, you know. I've had I've had as many as eight, and I wouldn't want to do twelve. So, but not in my hand. And the thing about it is, I mean, this is a quarterback. This is his throwing hand, where you have to put pressure on the ball, of course, with the thumb. So it couldn't have been comfortable. I mean, you know, he he likes to take every rep. You know, he would have practiced 
if there was any way possible. So this was this was a real deal. I mean, you know, he doesn't want to come out now and say, you know, I overcame something that no one possibly could overcome. But I thought early on you could tell he threw the ball very, very well. First and throw that, of the game. You know, I mean, really, right yeah. out of the gate, or the first series right out of the gate, he threw a ball over the middle. It was a nice, it was a dime, nice, yeah. Yeah, it was perfect throw. And Tony Romo said on the pregame uh, that – if you're going to get stitches in your hand, obviously, if you're a quarterback, mm-hmm. you don't you don't want them on the inside of your hand. You don't want them on your That's on right. your palm. You want them more on the back of your hand. It looked like it was sort of on the meat of his hand, right between his his yeah. uh, thumb and his his forefinger. So if if you're going to get stitches, it's probably the best place to get them if you're a quarterback. Yeah, not where you you know on your on your fingers where you have to you know really put pressure on the laces or or even on the on the thumb itself. You know, um, but he was able to he was able to throw and. Although I will say that anything like that can can kind of throw you off mentally. Sure. Um, but look, Jacksonville had the right. They had the right uh, game plan. They uh, they attacked. I thought. I didn't think they backed off all that much. Um, you know what? It came down to and and I know AJ Bowie and some other guys are complaining about this after the game. Came down to some bad penalties, and mm-hmm. you know they had some pass interference called. Uh, one that they're arguing that Stephon Gilmore interfered with the fourth down pass, which I thought would have been a touchdown if, if he did. I thought he made a great play. Um, but, you know, when you have one team that has 90-something yards of penalties and then the Patriots didn't get very many flags, I mean, you can see sort of the frustration. But at the end of the day, you have to knock out the champions. And, you know, Tom Brady and the Patriots, uh, you don't want to put them in that position where – they have the ball and a chance to go down the field and score. And Danny Amendola was terrific tonight, and mm-hmm. they did just what they needed to do. I mean, that is that is what the Patriots have been doing, it seems like, forever with Tom Brady. And, and all the credit in the world to Jacksonville because I thought they played about as well as they could probably play in some ways. I can't imagine that any team would have gone into New England, including the Pittsburgh Steelers, and have battled as hard – as the Jacksonville Jaguars did, I thought they had a great game plan coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they kept Blake Bortles out of trouble. It's mm-hmm. the third consecutive playoff game, Rick, that he didn't turn the football over. And that first couple of series, I mean, it helps that your offensive line dominates their defensive line. But yeah. you know, Leonard Fournette was running the ball well. But they also they had some nice. I like the play calling. I just like the way they moved up and down the field. And then after that, not a whole lot in the second half, and and that's give you know give credit to to New England for some adjustments. But boy, I mean, I'm looking back at this game. If you're Jacksonville, I don't know what more you could have done, and I understand why they're griping about the officiating or whatnot. But I don't, you know, you, I don't think you're going to look back at this game and say, oh, we should have done this or we should have done that. They played about as well as you're going to play, I think, in New England. Yeah. Now you know, I mean, so much has been made about Blake Bortles, but he was one of the reasons I thought they had a chance to win this game. And he played. I thought he played really well too. So uh, you just you just didn't score enough points. I mean, that's what it comes down to. They had the lead, twenty to ten at one point, um, and you know they they needed they needed a few more first downs. They needed a, a chance to put just a couple more points on the board, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't put the game away. And if you let the Patriots hang around, ask the Atlanta Falcons how that works out. Exactly. Well, I look at this game, Rick, and and we'll get into more of it in just a second, but I want to talk about Jacksonville just for a second here because when you look at this team, certainly the ingredients are there for this team to be successful for a while. they got a really good defense. they got a really good running game. They're young on defense. They're quick on defense. I think this is just the first of a, a number of years of them being contenders in the AFC. Having said all that, Rick, how confident do you think they will be and how confident should they be 
in Blake Bortles going forward? Do you think you're going to be on the lookout for another quarterback, or do you feel like he did enough in this postseason where you say, all right, you know, you know, he's not going to be Tom Brady, who is. He's not going to be even uh, you know, Ben Roethlisberger or, or uh, Cam Newton, a guy who's going to go out and win games for you. But he might be able to manage games. He might be able to get to, uh, I'm not going to say he's Trent Dilfer, but could he do enough for you that you can win with him consistently as your quarterback? I, I think you could. The, the problem is, is that he's at that point in his contract where it's going to cost you a lot of money, you know, right. to find out. I mean, you know, tonight, look, in the biggest game of his life, playing on the road in New England, what situation would you want him to be more tested at, right? Mm-hmm. He completes 64% of his passes for 293 yards and a touchdown, and he didn't turn the ball over. Right. So if you tell me, look, when a guy's back's against the wall against the GOAT, uh, on the road in a championship game, he's going to come out and throw for 293 and a touchdown and no picks. I'm like, okay, you can live with that. I mean, that's that's the biggest test. So, But, look, there's free agent quarterbacks that are going to be out there, the Alex Smiths of the world and different guys. I don't know what the Jags will do, but it seems to me like he did everything he needed to do to have confidence in him. It, it comes down to, you know, money and long-term and franchises and, you know, different – Sure different things like that, that that impacts your team beyond just this year or next year. Um, but you're right. Jacksonville has Jacksonville has a young football team with a good core, especially on defense. They're really good on defense. Jalen Ramsey and I mentioned Bowie and those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they can run the ball with Leonard Fournette, you know, and they're only going to get better on the offensive line. They're going to get better, uh, you know, probably at the, at the wideout positions down the road, add some more weapons. So it really comes down to just, you know, that that formula that Tom Coughlin and and uh, you know Doug Marone have that, you know, this is the way we're gonna play. Old fashioned, you know, beat you up at the line of scrimmage football. And I think they proved it still works. And so I I do expect this team to be around. Now, you know, the AFC to me isn't as difficult to navigate as the NFC. But remember, you know, they might not even have won this division had Deshaun Watson not gotten hurt, you know, right. and the Houston Texans would have been a different story. And then next year, you know, what if Andrew Luck comes back and, you know, you have a new coach, um, you know, in, in Josh McDaniels and, 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 so, you know, I always by said the this, way, that, that, by the way, that, that whole division's turning in to the New yeah, England Patriots. It you is. I mean, it's, yeah. Bill O'Brien is the, is the coach in, in uh, Houston. He was the assistant. Yes. For for uh, for Bill Belichick, mm-hmm. Mike Vrabel's taken over in Tennessee. He's former mm-hmm. Patriots assistant, and now and Josh, Josh McDaniels has taken over as well. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, just trying to get out of your division might be the biggest battle that you have because you know that that's one that's that's going to be competitive now every year. But it's not a fluky, and we'll talk about the other the other conference in just a moment. But I almost look like I look at a team like the Vikings, and I wonder, hmm, can they can they recapture that magic again next season? Or if you look at a team, even like um, I'm trying to think of another team that made the playoffs this year, where you, the I think the Rams are going to be good for a while. There's always it seems like there's a, there are, there's always a team or two though, they sort of catch magic and or lightning in a bottle once, and mm-hmm. they can't repeat it. I look at this Jacksonville team, and I. For all the reasons you just mentioned, even though I, I it's the division, it's better than you think it is if everybody's healthy. I still think it's more now na- you can navigate a little bit easier than you can a lot of other divisions. Yeah. And I like I just like their formula. I, defense and running games carry over from season to season usually. It does, and, 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 and it, it travels and well. Like, yeah. And, yeah, all that, especially in December when you have to win. 
And I think this postseason experience too, Rick, will be, will benefit them in the long run if they do stick with Blake Bortles, and if they do have uh, a team that can go next year on the road. I believe they can go on the road and win again. This was a good playoff experience for Jacksonville, even though they lose on Sunday, um, as opposed to say maybe Minnesota, which is just again we'll talk about that. It's a gut punch. It's hard to look back now and say, okay, this season was a good season. It was worth it because you felt like you got you let one slip away from you. Jacksonville, I mean, you go on the road and beat Pittsburgh and almost take out New England. Here's your thing, Rick. This team came that close to losing to Buffalo. I mean, can you imagine? Mm-hmm. They, they beat Buffalo 10-3 to in the first playoff game. But I was really impressed with doing. Jacksonville. No, I was really, just really I impressed. I was. But you know this game, Tom. You know, I mean, other than the Patriots, if, if when you get to the championship and don't win, don't expect to be back next year. I mean, everybody oh, yeah. says, you know, it, it, you know, well, they're going to be around for a while. It's a good young team. And it is. And all that's true. Um, but we lived this with the Buccaneers, you know, mm-hmm. who, you know, one went to the NFC Championship in what '99, and everybody thought, well, they'll be back next year, and they weren't. And then, well, they'll be back the next year, and they weren't. And then finally, you know, John Gruden came in, they got it done. But um, it's just, boy, I just remember, you know, the Rich McKay's and people. You know, when you get that far, you have to finish. And to say. You got to go back down to the bottom of the mountain and climb it again, and and oh, you know, we'll have New England down twenty to ten in a championship game and pick it up from there. Um, that's that's hard, but you know what? At some point, Tom Brady and Belichick got to quit coaching and playing, right? I mean, that's, that's <laughs> I don't think biggest... so. No, they're vampires. No, they're going to play forever. It's unbelievable. They're going to coach forever. I wanted to touch on one other thing that happened this game, Rick, and that was Rob Gronkowski got knocked mm-hmm. out of the game with a concussion, and uh, I'm. Suddenly, going, uh, I have a brain cramp on who who the safety was that that um, that hit Gronk on that play. But uh, Richard Sherman tweeted something out interesting um, about that play. And I don't know if you saw it. Richard Sherman, of course, the cornerback for the Seattle Seahawks, and he said, "Look, the defensive back in that situation, he had two choices there. He could go up high and hit Gronk where he hit him. He said, I don't think he meant to take him out helmet to helmet, or he could have gone low and totally blown his knees out." And it's almost mm-hmm. suggesting that the league needs to start thinking about how they want to move forward. Look, I, Rick, I get the idea of trying to protect players. It's player safety. And Rob Gronkowski certainly couldn't be happy that he got knocked out of this game with a concussion. Having said all that, if you're a player, I'd, I'd probably rather take my chances of you hitting me high like that than going low and blowing out my knee and maybe end of my career. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's a good answer there. I don't think there's any question that receivers would, would much rather that, that you hit them where they can see you or even if they can't see you, hit them high because their legs is, is how they make their living. And mm-hmm. not, not that you want to take shots to the head, but, you know, that does happen in football. I mean, that, that, that's sort of a football play, um, and they are trying to protect guys. But, yeah, I mean, there have been instances where players have had their knees capped um, just simply because – the defensive back knew that if he went high, he was going to get flagged and, you know, probably end up either with a concussion of his own or, or hit somebody else with one. The thing that impressed me, and I'll be honest with you, when it happened, because apparently Gronk, you know, Gronk looked like he was wobbly and sure. um, he kept saying, oh, wow, oh, wow, or whatever. But I thought, mm, playoff game at New England championship, mm-hmm. you'll see him again. You know what? They didn't see him again. Um, so I'm impressed if that's, you know, again, I hope nothing – is you know long term with him because he got to play in a Super Bowl in a few weeks. But we've seen instances, especially in the postseason, where you know they, it, you just don't know what it would take to knock a guy out of a game because they seem to just keep coming back. 
No, I, I thought the same, the exact same thing when I saw him going off and he was able, clearly he was concussed. It looked like at least he was, he was wobbly. Sure. And I thought the same thing. Yeah, he's going to end up, uh, he's going to end up coming back into this game. By the way, just to read off that tweet that Richard Sherman, he said the hit mm-hmm. on Gronk is the only way Church, Church was the player, uh, yeah. could have done his job without just obliterating Gronk's knee. Uh, if he would have just hit him low, most people would call him dirty. So there's nothing he can do to make everyone happy and also do his job. Unless yeah. you think you should just let him catch the football. So it's something that I think, uh, and again, I, I, I understand the league's trying to protect players and, and you don't want to see guys get hit in a helmet like that. But, um, the, boy, defensive backs are almost in an impossible position. Uh, the, NF- the NFC Championship game, Rick, I picked the Eagles in this one. Uh, yeah, although, it was, although it was more because I thought Minnesota would find a way to screw it up because I knew that's just the way football works. Um, I thought this was going to be a much low-scoring game. I really wasn't 100% sure the Eagles were going to win this game. Rick, this was game was not even close. I thought Doug Peterson schooled Mike Zimmer in this game. Um, the Vikes didn't look like the same team we've seen most of this year. And I don't want to attribute that to if it was really good Eagles play or or the Vikings just had nothing left in the tank after that game against New Orleans. But this game caught me totally by surprise. Yeah, I don't think you see blowouts especially. I, th- I really thought the, you know, the way Minnesota started the game, they couldn't have asked for a better situation and get the ball and drive it down, score. And, you know, I'm thinking, okay, well, I, I really believe Minnesota was a better football team um, coming in, which is why I picked them. But you know Minnesota's history, which is why you <laughs> picked Philadelphia. That aside, um, I don't think these guys had anything to do with Gary Anderson or, no, or you know any yeah. of those players. But um, but but it is true that and and the one thing I'll say is that when you get to this far in the playoffs, when you get to the championship and even really before that, but the championship round, um, you know this game turned on on a on a couple turnovers. Now during the regular season. You may you may turn the ball over and get away with it. You know you may even turn it over twice and and still be competitive. At this level, when you're playing teams that are this good, especially. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for fifteen dollars a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential plan on us. Mintmobile. slash switch. Upfront payment of forty five dollars, equivalent to fifteen dollars per month, unlimited over forty gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at four eighty p. Active Mint customers by five thirty one twenty four get six months of Paramount Plus Essential plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May thirty first, twenty twenty four. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Especially on the road, you simply cannot do it, and. Minnesota, you know, had a chance to to make that game it was fourteen to seven. Uh, they have a chance to at least get a field goal, cut the lead, maybe tie the game, um, and and then they have the big, you know, the big sack fumble, uh, which in 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 reality, I mean, Mike Zimmer or whoever, you know, Shermer, whoever was a coach responsible for the scheme, you got out coached. Somebody saw something that that game changed on Tuesday mm-hmm. when they were game planning, and the coaches saw that. You know what? If we come off the edge on this formation, this tight end's not going to get over here in time, and we got a chance to have an impact play, and they got one in the red zone. So um, once that happened, I mean, it's it. The thing that was surprising to me was Minnesota's defense didn't show up. I mean, they and you know Nick Foles. I mean, we'll talk about him. He was phenomenal. Um, and but yet, you know, at one point, I think there were nine of ten on third down passing. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that's just you know that's not the Minnesota defense we've watched all year. And maybe maybe it had something to do with the emotion of last week. I mean, it's certainly a possibility. It felt like they won more than they actually did because it was such a 
an, an iconic type play, but um, you know, a walk off sixty one yarder. But still, um, they were in that game, and then you know the turnovers and uh, and just you know, look, not a great game by Case Keenum. He he just did not not play at a high level, and they didn't protect him, and um, it was bad almost from from you know from the start. Maybe we underestimated Philadelphia too, Rick, because certainly sure. once once Carson Wentz went down, most people discredited them, thought they couldn't win yep. a Super Bowl without Carson Wentz, and certainly there there what there appeared to be a drop off between Car, uh, Carson Wentz and and Nick Foles. But everything about that Eagles team is the same, other than that. I mean, mm-hmm. they still play pretty good defense, and they still have a pretty decent running game, and they can still do a lot of things. And again, I thought Peterson did a nice job. Foles has looked better and better each week yep. that he's played back there, and they were at home. And I do believe there was something with that, Rick, about the Vikings and how they won the game last week. And they almost seemed like like it was fate, like they were going to the Super Bowl. It's at home. They're, they get to stay in their home stadium. And I'm not saying they, look, they looked ahead. I'm just saying that it's hard. With we're, we're talking about that as one of the greatest plays in the history of the NFL. And we dissected it all week long. And I, I'm sure Mike Zimmer did his very best to get his team ready. And I think he's a really good coach. But... I do wonder if they were out of gas, if, if something, they just weren't ready to play that game. I, I may, or maybe we we're not giving Philly enough credit, but whatever the case may be, it was, this game wasn't close, just wasn't close. And you mentioned Case Keenum too. I, what are they going to do with Case Keenum now? I mean, well, they, I mean, you got Sam Bradford, had, you got Teddy Bridgewater. I don't even know what you do now. Yeah. Look, you may love both those other guys, but I don't, I don't see how you can really look at Keenum as any way, except as your starter. I mean, this game notwithstanding, Bridgewater hasn't thrown a pass in over two years. Right. Um, Sam Bradford, you know, is a walking IR list. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, God love him. He's made $150 million in his career, but he can't <laughs> stay on the field. So to me, they have a situation where Rick Spielman's got to say, you know what, uh, we're good with Keenum. We may have to overpay him, but he's better than anybody we're going to find in free agency, and we're sure as hell don't have a high enough draft pick unless we're going to take a guy, you know, what would it be like, you know, 30th overall or whatever. Right. Um, so I, I think they're, they're sort of in a, in a, in a corner, in a corner really that, that they've got to stick with Keenum and, and um, hope to improve their team around them. And, you know, that's, that's another team that potentially could, could be back in the, in the thick of things pretty quickly. So, yeah, I, I think both, I think both Bradford and probably Bridgewater are, are going to be cut loose. We got two weeks, and that would be interesting to see if which which teams jump on them. Uh, mm. We got two weeks. We have a lot of time to dissect this thing, Rick. But yeah. immediate immediate gut instinct: Does Philly have a chance against New England? They have a chance, absolutely, and and probably for the same reason that Jacksonville did tonight too. It's just that I mean, it just feels like you know I, how do you how do you ever pick anybody but New England in, in these games? I know they've lost a couple Super Bowls, and you know the Giants got them both times, and Coughlin was. A big part of that, and he was again today. But um, you know, I I just think that New England, when they get to this game, and they get here a lot, um, they usually play a very good game. You know, they they you know we saw a team last year, and you'll probably never see it again that that did everything right and was up big, and they couldn't put them away. So um, you know, if Philly can play that well. Maybe maybe they'll have a chance, and and they do have a chance. I just it'll probably be. I think this is going to be. I think I read where the Eagles might be the biggest underdogs in nine years, 
in the Super Bowl, or at least that's the way the line is starting. I don't know what it's starting at. I thought I thought I, the first line I saw was six, which seems six? low to me. Yeah, I actually thought it would be more than that. But, but for a Super Bowl, for a Super know. Bowl, it's a, a touch. Yeah, it's a touch, and that's a lot for a Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. that's a lot. So, um, I would. I mean, obviously, it's easy to say I favor the Patriots, but I do. I mean, you know, Brady's hand. If he can play this well, you know, just a few days after he got cut, and then you know he's going to have an extra week in between the games. That that thing should the stitches will be out. So um, that won't be a factor. I'm sure it'll be a story. I don't know. It just it just feels like. It's hard not not to think the Patriots won't find a way to get this thing done. Here's the thing: for as dominant as the Patriots have been in Super Bowls, and they've, you can make the argument, I think a pretty easy argument, that this is the greatest franchise we've ever seen. Now, um, the Super Bowls are close. These are always they're, they're mm-hmm. always good games. They they don't go oh, in yeah. like the 49ers used to go in and just annihilate people sure. in the Super Bowl, or the Cowboys wiped out a couple of teams in Super Bowls. The old Troy Aikman Cowboys. New sure. England, these games are typically pretty tight, which I guess is. Well, good I mean, look, you're right. I mean, how many of them ended in the last play or so? Oh yeah, from the first one that he, you know, that Tom Brady won with Adam Vinatieri. Yeah, uh, Vinatieri's kicked a couple of field goals to win him. He's uh, kicked a couple again, one against Carolina, I think, uh, on another another time that I remember. The Rams, they beat the Rams late in a game, and then you had yeah. the, uh, the you Seahawks had the, on the last play. Right, the other game, uh, you know, the comeback in overtime last year. I mean, right. you're right. You know, so. And even in the games they've lost, at least, at oh, least yeah, in the Brady-Belichick era, it's been the yeah. Giants or whatever scoring late in those games to uh, to win. Yeah, so that's a good part. Rick, you're headed up to Minneapolis for the Super Bowl. I know the hotels and the restaurants in Minnesota are happy, actually, that yeah. maybe the maybe that the Vikings aren't coming, you know, that because it, the fact that the Eagles fans are be, will be spending all their time there actually might be good. You know who else in Minnesota is happy, Rick? Uh, nobody. That's got to be the most depressing thing that you're ever going to see covering football. I'm telling you, you're going to be there. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? No. Your team has this miracle. You win this game, and unbelievable. It's like the greatest play since the Mac reception. All you got to do now is go to Philly and beat Nick Foles, and you're in the Super Bowl in your own stadium, and you're chanting Skull and all this other stuff. And now not only don't you get there, you have to host it. All these, fee- all these Philadelphia fans are coming to your town now. Yeah. To celebrate, and that's got to be—I'm telling you—I—I I wish I was you going to this thing because it's going to be—I'm—I'll be fascinated by the reaction that people have in Minneapolis about the about the Eagles. Well, what's disappointing is, uh, you know, had Minnesota won, it would have been the first time, and I would have been really interested to see what it's like. Um, not that that'll happen in two years or three years in Tampa, folks, <laughs> but what it would have been like in a in a in a different universe to see. A home team and the excitement. I mean, there's excitement around Super Bowls anyway, and places crazy when you go to these Super Bowls. Um, but it's usually teams from out of town. And in this case, it would have been the home team at home and the fans in the city having almost a cel- you know, just an unbelievable celebration. Now you're right. Now, if I'm a Philly fan, I'm questioning whether I want to eat the food that's served to me uh, <laughs> by a bunch of people working in the Minnesota kitchens or not. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't know if this is good or not, but. Um, but so that's disappointing that that you didn't get to see history. If you're a that Minnesota way. fan, you truly do not want to see another football game for about ten years right now. Like it's the last thing you. And want. you don't want the Eagles, right? I mean, no, that's the last you, thing you. That's the last team you ever want to see again. Yeah, I mean, imagine you know, like when the Rams beat Tampa Bay, you know, with that crazy game that was you know eleven to six or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, had they come to Tampa the next week, I mean, it's right. just been it would have been weird. I mean, every Super Bowl that's been here, at least 
and I might be wrong about this, but certainly the last one, which was back when uh, 2009, I want to say it was when Cardinals uh, and uh, when the Cardinals and the Steelers, and, and there yeah. wasn't really a chance that the Bucks were going to come here that year. No. Um, but to have it get that close, boy, it's going to be. It's going to be something to watch. So, but anyway, we got two weeks to get ready. Rick will head up there yep. uh, next Sunday. You're going up, right? Mm-hmm. Headed so. up to Minnesota. Got my uh, got my long johns, a uh, <laughs> bunch of jackets and scarves and stuff. Although, uh, you know, it says in uh, the weather ten uh, day forecast, I know it can change, but looks like twenties maybe. You know, for the wow. most part, those are in the highs. Take highs. your sunscreen, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, laying poolside in twenty degrees in, yeah, in, my, uh, in February. Well, I'm sure. It'll, I'm sure something weird will happen, and it'll be like freezing. Well, I think you're supposed to get as we're, we're we're recording this Sunday night. I think it's a winter storm supposed to be hitting there right now. So, oh, um, good. Yeah, yeah, plenty get of snow needed. Through. Hey, Rick. Before we go on this podcast, uh, we got to talk about this Tampa Bay Lightning. Boy, they continue oh, to struggle. They've now lost three in a row. Outscored fourteen to four in those three games, and really the trouble was starting even before these last year. They've lost five of seven. I think mm. one of those was in a shootout. Now Andre Pilat is out indefinitely with a lower body injury. Victor Hedman's still out. Boy, did they miss him, Rick. I was at the Go- uh, the Golden Knights game in Las Vegas where they were just totally dominated, and they looked mm-hmm. lost in their own end. Uh, there's a part of me that says, Rick, that, hey, they played so well for so long, they're bound to hit some sort of a slump. And you listen to John Cooper talk, he said, look, these guys didn't forget how to play hockey in a week and a half. Yet there's another part of me, Rick, that this is a really disturbing. These games aren't even close. They don't even feel like they're close. They feel like they're getting thoroughly manhandled in these games. How how concerned? I, I'll admit, Rick, I, I'm not going to push the panic button, but I'm starting to find. I'm starting to look for it a little bit. I would. I mean, I think John Cooper should, because um, he's got to find a button that works. You know, I mean, he's got problems on defense. They were probably there before Hedman got hurt. But now you got real problem. And what is Antron's? What is Strowman's plus m- minus right now? I mean, he's not playing well at all. Um, nobody really is on defense. And all of a sudden, you have a goaltender who was lights out that can't find the puck. Yeah. You know, every everything is ending up in the back back of his net. And I'm not saying it's all his fault. There's no, a lot of well, here's in front a scary thing. Like the Minnesota game, he again he had a goal or two that I thought he should have. But he also made like seven or eight saves that he shouldn't have. These games could be bad. These games right. could that Minnesota game, Minnesota's not that great. Minnesota they, Minnesota could have won that game ten to two, you know? Yeah, but and, when you see a guy suddenly giving up four and five goals a game all of a sudden when he was, you know, below two. Right. Um for I know and I know it's the extreme, right? I mean he was extreme he can't maintain that pace. We talked about this, Tom, and, and, and for as much as, you know, everybody says, well, he's 23, he can handle the load, and, you know, you can play him this many games and everything. Look, the mental side of things, he's never had to go through a full season like this. Right. And he was, you know, you're, you're bound to have ups and downs in any season, in any sport. But, I, I mean, I don't know that they were doing the right thing. And, I, you know, and I know now it's a different situation with Budai gone and all that. But... This we might be starting to see, and I know he had a bunch of days off and came back and still gave up some goals. We might be starting to see some of that mental fatigue and some of the inexperience of of the grind and the expectations of a long season right now, especially compounded by the fact that defensively they're they're in a rut. And what the hell happened to their big scores all of a sudden? Where yeah. have they gone? Stamkos has gone into a slump, uh, and I mean, other than Tyler Johnson, yeah, they they are definitely you know Mestikov has dropped off the face of the earth. Kucherov, uh, Kuch, yeah, Kucherov has, has slipped up a little bit. It's a uh, 
No, it's it's a, it's real adversity for the first time this year, Rick. Not only adversity it's front in terms of losing him now, injuries are starting to pile up a little bit. That's a bit of concern. And I'm curious. You mentioned Vasilevsky, and you know I know he's had some adversity in in his career. You know he had the injury, mm-hmm. the blood clot thing a couple uh, a while back, um, and then he's had some ups and downs uh, over the past year. But for the first time, as a number one goalie, you're the guy. There's nobody else here who's who's going to bail you out. It's not like a year ago when they were trying to give him the number one job, but if anything truly went wrong, Ben Bishop was still here until whatever, February or January, whenever it was he was traded. This is the first time he's going through it by himself now. I mean, it's up to him to dig his way out of this because you're right, even if Peter Budai were to come back, I mean, the plan is when you start the playoffs, Andre Vasilevsky's your goalie. He's your goalie for the next 10 years, you hope. So, But he's going to have to get through this piece of adversity here. Interesting to see how John Cooper handles this. Well, I, Go ahead. I was just going to say real quickly the thing about the thing about Cooper who you can't argue with the success he's had right but but when you have the expectations they have and you get off to the start that they got off to um, again hard to maintain that right but you know what and somebody I heard somebody say this the, the other day I mean Cooper's not a guy that played in the NHL um, he's he's a motivator. I mean, mm-hmm. you would think, you know, he has a pretty good temperament about things. He needs, usually says and does the right thing at the right time. Um, but you wonder if, if you know, this is, I mean, this is a different kind of pressure for him. And this is a different sort of expectations they built with the start that they had this year. And you wonder if, having not been there, you know, what, what, what exactly he can do um, I mean, I think he needs help with Iserman's going to have to decide if you know what they're going to do on defense, if they can acquire somebody or not. But this is a real test for John Cooper because you know it's easy when things are going great. I mean, it really is. You know, I mean, the the coaching has to happen when things aren't going so good. Sure. And now we're going to find out just uh, you know just if they can keep this from snowballing the wrong direction. It's a funny thing too that you don't want to overreact to this. Maybe it is just a a three-week stretch where you're not playing well. Or maybe it's not. Maybe it's the beginning of something that's a a dangerous trend that could Mm -hmm. settle in. Clearly, clearly, Rick, they need to get better defensively. And I'm not talking just about on uh, the guys who play on defense. I'm talking about their forwards playing defense as well. They've gotten really sloppy, I thought, in the last two or three weeks. I thought they got a little dependent on Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, They like to play this wide-open style. And maybe Mm -hmm. as... You get deeper now. Once you get after after the All Star break, that's when things start getting really serious. Where teams really start bearing down. Score. Harder mm-hmm. to score goals. That's right. It's harder to score goals. Teams get more defensive, and you can't play mm-hmm. this wide open style. It's it's. I think they've had fun for the first three months of the season. Now they got to put a little bit of work. And here's the thing, too, Rick. By the way, you know who's the they're not the they don't have the best record in hockey anymore. The Vegas Golden Knights had the best record in the NHL. Well, and don't which look is now, stunning it, to me. Have you seen yeah. how well Boston is playing? Oh right yeah. Now? By the way, yeah, three points behind. Three, yeah. three points now. Ultimately, that doesn't impact you too much because as long as you're the top three teams, you're going to be in a place. But if you were to get into a series, if you're looking ahead already, and why wouldn't you be? Mm-hmm. You get into a series later in the late in the season against the Boston Bruins, and you have to play a game seven in Boston rather than Tampa Bay after the start that you've had. Yeah, sorry, it's gonna it's gonna be uh, something that you don't want. So. Um, Tell you what else they can't do real quick is they can't win a faceoff. <laughs> they have trouble. No, it's I mean, a concern. All, all it's year. a concern. Yeah. No, it's a concern, and it shows up more in the playoffs. It really shows up in the playoffs, particularly when special teams become 
increasingly important in the playoffs. And you start winning faceoffs in your in the other team's end or losing faceoffs on a penalty kill. Those are yep. things that cost you games because those teams are so evenly matched. You get in you get into a series with Boston, a seven game series, it could come down to a goal. And that goal could oh, be decided sure. by a faceoff. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, boy, we thought we were going to have nothing to talk about as far as the Lightning. We're just waiting for the playoffs, and all of a sudden things have gotten a little dicey and a little interesting. So certainly sure we'll discuss is. that over the next couple of weeks as well. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks again to our producer, Steve Versnick. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check us out on Twitter at Rick Tom Podcast at NFL Strahd, and at Tom W. Jones. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 